Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to talk about bullying with Carrie Smith. We are continuing our discussion on difficult issues in youth ministry, and today we're going to talk about bullying, particularly online bullying. And bullying is not anything new, Mm -hmm. especially for teens and adolescents. That seems to be a a time in life where that that happens a lot, although I'm still happens as adults, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. too, I think. And youth ministry has to deal with this many times over and in various ways. But today, bullying seems to happen not just in that face-to-face interaction, but online as well. And not surprised to hear that Pew Research found that about 59% of U.S. teens have personally experienced at least one kind of abusive online behavior. Certainly, even before COVID, but COVID just made it to where teens are spending more and more time online. And many of those areas are places where they cannot choose to not be present for school or other activities that they have to be a part of that. And so students use apps and digital spaces for, again, all that work around school and work and maybe extracurricular activities and much, much more. And so these spaces are necessary, but oftentimes maybe the ground rules and the results of those spaces can be hard to know and understand and and are ever-changing too. And so without proper boundaries and empathy, it can be easy to say anything you want to about someone else in a digital space and not see the impact on their life. Yeah. So that bullying becomes really anonymized and separate from the impact it has. And I I do think that that plays a huge amount into that. And we think every adult leader has seen some bullying impact their youth ministry. And certainly I know that I had to deal with it when I was working in the congregation. And it can be especially painful when that bullying comes from inside that Christian community that's designed to be um, filled with warmth and, and grace more than other places outside of the church. So that can be particularly hurtful. So to help us talk about that some more, is Carrie Smith. Carrie has been a teacher, youth leader, and now works at Lutheran Family Service as a congregational services and adoption caseworker. She graduated from Concordia, Nebraska, and she lives in Iowa with her husband of 22 years and is a mom of four. Carrie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Carrie. We got to hear about you briefly in the intro, but tell us, tell us more about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry, and other things that bring you joy. So I graduated from Concordia, Nebraska in 1999, dating myself, and I started in elementary education and quickly moved into also doing high school youth ministry. I've done it off and on since then, and for the last seven years, I've been done very consistently. My high school youth group consists of about 30 kids on the average every Wednesday night, and we they represent seven different high schools. So this group comes to be, uh, I want this to be your safe place. I want you to be yourself, and I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Um, on the side, I also work at Lutheran Family Service, and I do pregnancy counseling. So I've realized that unplanned pregnancy can happen whether you are 14, 18, or 28, 45. It doesn't matter. And I also do home study work with families that want to adopt. So I kind of cover a lot of different things. But in my free time, I love to be outside. I'm I'm a mama four and I have tweens and teens and now an adult. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Well, it seems like you've worked in a variety of ways and a variety of ages with young people. What do you love about working with young people and their parents in your congregation and community? I think I love most is natural disasters happen in life. So there's some and we can't stop them from happening. So in life we can see a tornado or a hurricane and we come together afterwards to rebuild. Well, the same thing happens in life. 
someone might get cancer. Somebody might have a terrible car accident. Somebody might fail a class. Things happen and it's how we handle and how we hold each other up and how we pick together. And I just really love having the trust with both youth and their parents to be able to be another strong Christian person in their child's life. That's great. And thank you so much for coming on to talk about this topic of bullying, which can, again, both probably if you're dealing with someone and helping someone who's being bullied, but also see signs of it within maybe a young person too, as they're starting to have interactions with other people in their life, how you're able to go deeper into those conversations. And, and we know bullying isn't anything new. It's always probably been something that in youth ministry, ministry with young people, we've been concerned about. But why is this something that we should really be paying attention to in the lives of teens today? Well, it's a huge issue today because mostly how much times have changed. So when I was a teenager and I had a bad day, I would go home and nobody could reach me unless they called that phone in my kitchen and I drug the cord all the way to the bathroom so nobody else could use it. But today, every teenager tween now has a device in their pocket that beeps almost 20 hours a day. They have no time to decompress. They have no time to unwind, to disconnect. And it's constantly hammering at everything they do. Um, social media has just kind of become the world. And our parents today have a, have a false sense of security because they have Live 360. They have Find My iPhone. They can always see where their children are at. So they feel like they're always in contact. But at the same time, they have no idea what their children are watching, listening mm -hmm. to, or what they're being influenced by. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that that interconnectedness, but also not necessarily knowing what that young person is doing, does that make it more difficult to address bullying for families, for youth ministries in the church? It, it does. There are eight forms of online bullying. And this is the biggest difference between bullying 20 years ago and bullying today. So the first one we have is griefing. So in our day, it was the kid on the playground that intentionally threw it at your head to get you out. Today, it's the person in an online game that is intentionally killing you or stealing your loot or whatever. And then on an online chat, they are harassing you. Okay. The second one is subtweeting. That's when someone's telling what's going on in your life without using your name, but all of your friends know who you are. So you become very self-conscious and you, you feel like a victim. Another one is just the sharing. You know, making memes of people, sharing pictures you didn't give permission. Just, again, you become the victim because things about you were being shared amongst people you didn't want shared. The, another one is ex exclusion. So you're scrolling through or you're looking at your snap map and you realize all your friends are together and you weren't invited. Very, very hurtful in the mental capacity. We also see a big thing with fake accounts. Oh, yeah, I checked my children's accounts, but did you know they had three Instagram accounts? Mm -hmm. Did you know they had all these secret things? Do you know they have a secret photo book on their phone? Technology is moving faster than, than people are. And we can't keep up with all of the new apps. There's over a million apps. So it's almost impossible to understand what they can all do and the damage they can do. Another form of online bullying is hate speech. So... We see teens accounting this because there's crude language. We see people using exclusion things of race, how you believe, all of these things in hate speech on there. Like you can't, you can't love everybody anymore without being a victim. The last one is rumors. Once it goes viral, it's very hard to erase it. And especially if the rumors about you, you feel like everybody knows it and it's not true. 
So as we think about those those different ones, do you feel like there is not just the instant peace for that young person who's who's interacting with that for the first time, but fear of the longevity of those pieces, especially if they're attached to their names into college and beyond? It is. And the biggest thing I see is, is that our children today, our teenagers today have less real relationships in their life. They have hundreds of superficial relationships because they have hundreds of people on their on their social media accounts. They keep in contact. They have streaks with 35 different people. So you feel like these are all your friends, but yet very rarely will they sit down on a couch and have a real conversation with somebody face to face. Relationships today are not the same as they were in high school 20 years ago. We now have generations that go out less, but yet they have more contact with people. Big changes in how we see this long term. We no longer, when we left for college, we left. We didn't talk to anybody until Thanksgiving break. They don't ever leave people anymore. So it's very hard, especially if they have a toxic person in their life, to start over. It's, it's an uphill battle, especially for universities, because they're not starting over. They're not disconnecting still and building new, stronger relationships. Right. And those those photos, those rumors, you know, especially if they're attached to their name and are Googleable, you know, it, even if you are turning a new page, you're moving away from college and, and you can block and disconnect people there. I'm sure there is still that fear of of any of this then becoming a, a long term issue associated with your name. I want you to think about what you would have done at age 13, 14 or 15 if I handed you a device and said, search anything you want. What would you have looked up? Right. OK, I don't want to know the answer. But that's the biggest difference is we had a level of curiosity when we were teenagers that we didn't we couldn't get the answer to. <laughs> now we are going to TikTok, and we are getting every answer under the sun. Are they correct answers? Not all. They are just somebody in their living room, their bedroom, making a video. And we start believing it when we hear it over and over and over. And this is what I see the most valuable part of youth ministry today. You may only have an hour a week or two hours a month with these people, but you can become a trusted person in their life that when they hit that level of being scared, we can see it and hopefully they can talk to you. The church has to be a safe spot and a trust. We, in, in my church, especially, we see a, I see a huge number at youth events, but I'm not seeing a huge number on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. I can't blame the high school student because when I was 16, if my parents didn't take me to church, I would not have gone to church. Right. I'm not paid as a youth director to be the parent director. I'm paid to be the youth director. And so my goal is always with them, make sure they, we always pray together. Make sure they know that this is a safe spot that we, and we disconnect. We have a shoe rack in our, like one of those ones that hang on the back of the door. And two youth, because I can't even trust them to walk in and put their phone away. They will say it's off, it's in my pocket, but yet you can see it through their sweatpants and it's glowing yellow. Okay. And so two youth go around and they are the phone takers. They take everybody's phone and they have to disconnect for that conversation time and we get such better conversation right. and it's just 10 feet it takes time and some people at first they they hate it but we no longer make our children disconnect it is their alarm clock it sleeps in their bed with them it's a lot of times in their desk at school you have to i have to teach my youth that they have to set their own boundaries if they don't have boundaries at home and even if they do have boundaries at home 
They're not with their parents 24 hours a day. It seems to me it's an incredible level of discipline that you're teaching a young person to have at an age when they're taking on a lot of that kind of stuff. So, and then, then to add to it, that again, relationships hopefully would be something that'd be so life giving that when it's in this realm of the virtual side and so connected, that can be a thing that adds another level of stress and anxiety to their life too. So, I mean, the, the work that you're doing there to build real relationships and be able to have those conversations, and I'm sure there is pushback from a lot uh, but yet seeing that the bigger picture in terms of what it's laying as a foundation for them in their lives, not only in their present life, but then moving ahead too, and what good relationships look like, how to build those, how to be disciplined in our use of something like social media or technology, not easy, but yet so important for young people. We know the outcome. If they get too caught up in the social media world, the cyberbullying world, and they become a victim, we can see at the college level how many college students are committing suicide. Suicide is very scary. And ultimately, a lot of that leads back to depression or bullying. You know, they, they don't feel safe. They, they hate this world enough to end their life. Unfortunately, in high school youth ministry, it starts in high school. We are now handing kids phone in third and fourth grade. Mm-hmm. We are going to have to become very, very aggressive in your young in our confirmation programs. Eighty mm-hmm. percent of the kids that come to our confirmation class have their own cell phone, and when we have break, the first thing they do is grab their cell phone. We can see this trend younger and younger and younger, and so as a church, as lay leaders, as DCEs, as however you are working with them, you have to set your your standard high, and you have to trust that. They will enjoy the experience much better if we can get them to disconnect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways you might suggest we help a young person who's been dealing with bullying? I think first and foremost, you have to realize your boundaries. If they need professional help, you have to get professional help. Number two, you cannot be afraid to call a parent. I tell them time before we start every deep conversation, I say, you can tell me anything. I will not tell anybody, but if I feel like it's a threat to your life, I will always call your parents. If it gets too bad, I'm going to I'm gonna go to your parents. I'll tell you before I do it, mm-hmm. but I do not ever want to have the regret that something happened. I could have maybe prevented something. You have to become a partnership with parents. That does not mean you tell your, the parents everything they told you. But again, it's identifying who's the disconnected person. Who's the person? Usually you can see it. You can, I mean, there's... Tons of symptoms out there on who is struggling. Well, let's come back to what they're doing. Um, Also encourage them to be involved. If they go home after school and they have nothing every single night of the week, what are they going to do? They're going to binge watch something. They're going to be on social media. They're not doing something healthy for their brain. We know the brain continues to develop into their early 20s. So what are we letting influence? Think of the shows we have out there. We have Riverdale. We have Gossip Girls. We have Stranger Things. There is nothing wholesome about any of these shows. Yes, do they dabble in the issues of today? Are they in a healthy, Jesus-friendly way? Not at all. You, as youth directors, have to really look and help them sit in. Remind them all the time. If you don't love who you are, nobody else can love you. You're not going to be a good friend when you're not comfortable in your own shoes. And how do we get to that point? We accept our flaws because we all have them. Yeah, such, I mean, engaging conversations, again, going through those times of as young people are 
gaining in their in independence, growing even those relationship spheres that are happening in their life as well as those skills too. And so it's just like you said too, I love the brain development conversation. There's so much that we can learn about that in terms of just like, how do we supply information well and under, help them understand those boundaries, understand what's even going on in their own life and have that honest conversation with them for their own self-introspection of what's what's happening to be able to process that. So much, again, good connection to make with a young person. Now I'm gonna turn the t- theme here a little bit and then talk about that maybe difficult thing that happens when you find out bullying is happening within your youth ministry. I and mean, we know it happens, you know, it can happen in congregations too. How much, you, how might you respond to that as a leader? What were some things that maybe some action steps that you would take when you start to figure out that it's actually happening within the community? I think it's important to hear all sides of the story individually. And a lot of times I don't do that in the youth room or where it's happening. So we'll go meet at a coffee shop and we'll have this conversation. And really we try to get down to the history of this relationship. Because usually it's not something that has just started in the last two months. It's been years and years of some resentment or jealousy or something between the two parties. If we have to, we get parents involved. If we have to, we will go to the pastor. If I can get them to come to St. Peace, a lot of times we'll pray together. You have, I think the most important things you have to under identify if is this a hard thing or is a soft thing. Soft problems are things that annoy us about people. Well, we're not going to change somebody's personality. A hard thing is when trust is broken and we are causing damage to someone mentally permanently. We know that ACEs happen in people's life, adverse childhood experiences. There's nothing we can do to stop an ACE in your life, but we can learn from them and we have to understand this has happened in your life so you are more sensitive. Your parents are divorced. So when somebody talks about how perfect their family is or something with their mom and their dad, automatically the child in the divorce home is not hearing the positive side of it, but the hurt in it because of their personal situation. So for me, a lot of times it is, it's more of having the individual relationship with the child because at some point too, we have to teach our child to handle bullying. It's not going to go, how do we teach them to become strong enough? So to me, that comes down to their spiritual development. Can we meet 15 minutes before? Can we just pray together? You know, and same thing with a text relationship. I, I would not have a relationship that I, I snap with a child. I am Snapchat friends with some of them, but I would not have individual conversations that disappear. It has to happen on a text message because then it, it can't be erased. It's immediate. not as easily, I should say. As an adult leader, you have to know the safeguards and the boundary lines because social media could get you in trouble very easily too, just accidentally. And so you have to be the example of what you want. You ha- And number two, you have to teach these children to talk face-to-face with each other. You're not going to resolve a bullying situation by continually sending text messages or snaps that disappear and you can't reread them. You know, so let's just sit down and have conversations. We also, in our 15 minutes of intense conversation on Wednesday nights, it, we're not afraid to dive into the deep conversations. So locally here in the Quad Cities, an 18-year-old girl died of childhood cancer. She's had it since she was 10 off and on. She died Monday night. We watched her graduation speech together as a group. But then afterwards, we talked about physician-assisted suicide. This world issue that they're being indoctrinated on that, you know, it's you don't want to watch people suffer. So we have the conversation of suffer. We have this. And then we talk from the biblical. God created life at conception. God created natural death. That is where in your conversations, you just can't be afraid to have small conversations that are deep, but 
It doesn't need hours because their brains aren't ready for three hours of conversation. Usually in a bullying situation, they just have to throw up what they're heard about and then they move on with life. The problem is, is they don't have any people that they talk to anymore. Everything's on their phone. So long answer for the short answer is (laughs) face-to-face conversations can make a world of difference. Yeah. And I think you've hit some of these things already in talking about how you regularly have deep conversations or how you deal with technology in your youth ministry. But are there any other ways that you would say youth leaders can work to get ahead of the game and prevent the bullying from happening? I I think it's great to bring in other people. I think every high school kids need seven strong adults in their life. And so it is bringing in a counselor to your youth group to have a 15 minute talk or bringing in a police officer of what they see on the, mm-hmm. the world side of the negative side of things that happen. You know, you bring in any other person that specializes in this topic, you know, from human trafficking to this, I think the more people that you can see also agree with you. And we all agree with your parents, whether you like it or not. But when your parents tell you something, it's like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I could say the exact same thing their parents say. And they're like, wow, that was so great. And mom's over there going like, I've said this 150 (laughs) times. And at the same time, I think as youth directors, we have to keep going over it, over it, over and over. And because until it's real to you, it means nothing. It's not there. It's in one ear and out the other. But then all of a sudden when they've seen or they've become the victim, then they're ready to listen. Mm hmm. Do you have any tips? I I mean, I can see where some people could come back and say, how do you balance between causing fear over the issue? But I got to believe, I'm assuming when you probably have those conversations, it's pretty well, if if the young person themselves not dealing with it, they know someone who is. Have you had to deal with that at all in that context? I think we see this more at the younger age. I have, I, the balance, especially with confirmation age, I think we don't realize how exposed they are. So Mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm like, well, I never thought about that in seventh grade, but I also didn't have a phone. Like everything mm-hmm. I watched was on the living room couch and my parents were in the kitchen next door. I didn't mm-hmm. have a TV in my bedroom. The level of exposure today is on this great, great. And I also think an important thing, especially younger, is parents need to know when you're having these conversations. So sure. last year yeah. we did a whole series on suicide. Before we started it, I sent an email to all of the parents saying, hey, for the next three weeks at youth, we are going to be talking about suicide. I wanted to give you a heads up. It's been real in our lives. I don't know every story. And if your child is not comfortable with coming, I totally understand it. I'm not offended. This is you're the parent still. So I think the more we can forewarn parents that we're having these conversations, it helps them at home because it's a very scary thing. It's the same thing. How do you teach your children about sex education? Well, you can't be afraid of it because if you're afraid when they're three years old of what's that body part, there's no way you're going to talk to them when you're 15. Mm-hmm. And so it starts at a very, very young age of just being open and and not scared of it as an adult. Good. So as we, as we wrap up, anything in general to that you would say well, you, to encourage youth leaders as they work to address bullying? Any last thoughts for our audience? Yeah. I think my last thought would be just remember there's like five or seven styles of learning. And so for some of them, they have to take notes. Some of them, they want to take the handout home. Some of them, they have to see it from a YouTube video. So be creative and 
keep looking for different avenues or different resources. It doesn't have to be, I mean, they, short things are sometimes far more powerful. They live in the world of YouTube. YouTube videos are short. If not, they move on. So you have a very limited time when you're with them to engage them, to make them think. And all, I mean, to me, bring it back to the Bible. Teach them to pray. If we can get their foundation strong in their faith, they'll be able to endear almost all of this. Yeah. My other thought to you, one more, is <laughs> they have to admit they're on the struggle bus. They are on the struggle bus. And half the time, they don't think it because it's their world and they're so in it. Until we can admit we're struggling with something, whether it's bullying or a relationship or something, we can't get help. So we talk about the struggle bus all the time. I love that. I'm on the struggle bus a lot. Um, you know, we're so grateful for those thoughts and, and that encouragement. I think, you know, hopefully as we think through this, youth leaders can feel more equipped to to both get out in front of that. And then as it happens to be able to deal with that in a way that, that shows God's love and grace and points people back to Christ. So thanks so much for joining us, Carrie. You're welcome. It's so important for us, I think, to think through bullying, even though we could probably go back and say, oh, this is something that we've always mm -hmm. dealt with. Mm -hmm. People have always been mean to people at some level. There's always been power in broken relationships and all of these different pieces. But really to hear how much that has changed with technology and how much that has um given so many more opportunities for a young mm -hmm. person to have injury in relationships to their to their self-worth than it than maybe we had before when all of that had to happen face to face. Right. Face to face. And I think those boundaries too. I mean, I know exactly what Carrie's talking about in terms of when I was growing up, one phone in the house, mom and dad knew I was on the phone. I mean, there, there's just those kind of things to where like, it was much easier to set those boundaries and that becomes blurred. And especially when technology is one of these things, again, it's not just a social thing. They're using it for school. They're using it for other things. And we know enough about technology, even as adults, how those can get blurred so easily. And so now youth are dealing with that in that time of still trying to process what do healthy relationships look like, the identity questions, all these kind of things. So I think definitely there's a place for us to grow in our understanding of what young people are dealing with when it comes to this topic, for sure. Yeah. So we can't just say, oh, well, you know, I experienced that at some point mm -hmm. when I was a young person because mm -hmm. it, it does look so dramatically mm -hmm. different. And I love all the different suggestions she made in terms of being ahead of that game mm -hmm. in terms of how we handle technology in our youth group. How do we right. help people separate? How do we encourage young people to figure out and set good boundaries outside of whatever their rules their parents have? But how do you do that for you? Because parents are not always going to be as adept at technology. Right. And how do we make sure that we have fostered a space where we can have hard conversations and where we've built relationships with other adults to be able to then when stuff does happen that we're approaching it from a really healthy open mm -hmm. honest graceful perspective rather than all of a sudden now we have to talk about something really difficult that's happening between two young people who maybe are pushing each other's mm -hmm. buttons and, and we don't know how to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. I, I think we've seen it too, just help, helping the parent have those conversations at a young age and yeah. start to think through, um, you know, I, th I think of it when we were growing up, it was parents usually had pretty good understandings like when is someone going to get a bike and when is someone going to get this right. driver's license, all that kind of stuff. Well, now you got to do that with technology. When are you going to give them access to this? Uh, what are those rules you're going to put in place? And at the same time to be understanding that you, there's a lot you don't probably know and to be humble enough to understand that and, and understand what's going on in the lives of their own children and how can the church help 
parents take on that role and grow in their ability and for the church to begin that supporter of that side of, of helping kids have discipline around technology and understand what it is, what it's doing in their brain, what it's doing in their relationships, as it is kind of a new world in that way, continue to engage in that conversation. Right. And it goes back to partnering well with parents, mm-hmm. right? Getting, getting ahead of that and, and bringing them into some of the difficult issues you're talking about, being sure that they're a part of the communication when you are dealing with, you know, an issue between two young people or somebody, when you see somebody who you're, you suspect is being bullied and, and bringing them into that discussion. And then also helping parents take their, their spot in that role on an mm-hmm. ongoing basis and in, in helping to deal with some of these issues. I, I love the idea of, of being able to, for young people to be able to say that they're on the struggle bus, right? right. right? We say that, you know, but also to be able to say to parents like, hey, I I think your kids on on the struggle bus, like how do we how do we work together with mm-hmm. that young person to make sure that we can find a really healthy Jesus-centered place for mm-hmm. them to be? So a couple of closing questions for us to consider. The first is how can you help youth handle technology in a way to avoid and deal with bullying? How can you prioritize and encourage healthy face-to-face relationships as part of your ministry or youth ministry? And finally, how can we have hard conversations with youth to prepare for other difficult conversations, particularly around bullying? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you care for young people who are dealing with difficult pressures and bullying in person and on social media. May God give you wisdom and discernment as you help everyone to know their value in Christ. Engels Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church. Thank you.